Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. So Apostles, 1 Timothy chapter number 1. Here's where we are going to start and we'll build upon the message from here. Watch what it says in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 1. Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ, that's pretty easy to understand. Paul, according to the Bible, was what? An apostle. We know Paul was an apostle. And it was by what? The commandment of God, our Savior, and Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. So by the commandment of God, how was Paul appointed an apostle? By the commandment of God. Very simple. Go over to the second chapter and look at verse First uh, Timothy chapter 2. Look at verse number 7. Uh, Paul, under the Holy Spirit's inspiration, has this uh, penned in verse 7. Whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle. So we see it not only was the commandment of God in, in chapter number 1, but we see that he was uh, he was ordained by God. Nobody voted on the matter. It was a God thing. This is Paul as an apostle. Go to Second Timothy, and let's look at chapter number one. We see it's a commandment of God. He was ordained by God. Watch Second Timothy chapter number one. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now watch what's added by the will of God. He was ordained by the commandment of God. He was ordained by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. We can see that very simply. Uh, look at verse number 11 in the same chapter. First Timothy one, look at verse 11. Whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. We're going to come back to that Gentile thought in a minute, but we see that in verse number 11, Paul was appointed. We see, uh, we, we saw in first Timothy, he was ordained and we see in both of those chapters, or, or I'm sorry, both of those books in first Timothy and second Timothy, first Timothy says it was the commandment of God. Second Timothy says it was by the will of God. So all that is there. We understand that pretty easy. Uh, uh, concerning Paul. Now go to Acts chapter 19. And let's see if we can get a little bit deeper here. Acts chapter 19. And look at verse number 11. Acts chapter 19, verse number 11. And God wrought special miracles by the hands of of the church? No. By the hands of who? Paul. Because Paul was ordained, he was appointed by the will of God and by the commandment of God as an apostle. And as an apostle, he was able to wrought, it says, God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul, verse 12, so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons. And the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of 
them. We need to be real careful nowadays who we watch on YouTube, what what we allow into our homes or our, our minds, because we have people who are claiming special miracles that they are doing and they are claiming they are wrought by God through them because they're an apostle. And it's a deceptive thing. It's a very deceptive thing. Let's continue to learn more about the apostolic ministry. Acts chapter 4. You can get yourself in a lot of trouble in the book of Acts. We have to be able to really understand all of the Bible is for us to learn from, but all of the all of the Bible wasn't specifically for us to do today. And Acts chapter 4, verse number 33, watch what it says. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. These guys claiming to have the apostolic gifts and claiming to run an apostolic ministry, have any of them been a witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus? I would say that would be a resounding no. <laughs> Why are they claiming something that they shouldn't be claiming? Because they're being used not by God, they're being used by the devil. God gave great power to the apostles. And that power we'll start to see here in a minute. Go to Acts 1. Acts chapter number 1, look at verse number 2. Until the day in which he was taken up. Uh, well, let's read verse 1, I'm sorry. The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus. Of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up. After that, he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. Pretty clear. There's no, you don't have to read too deep into the text to understand that. Look at verse number 15. Acts chapter 1, verse 15. Let's read a few verses here. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, the number of names together were about 120. Men and brethren, this scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas, which was guide to them that took Jesus. For he was numbered with us and obtained part of this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the reward of iniquity and falling headlong, he burst asunder in the midst, and all his bowels gushed out. That's an awful thing. And it was known unto all the dwellers at Jerusalem, insomuch as that field is called in their proper tongue, Asaladama. That is to say, the field of blood, where it is written in the book of Psalms, let his habitation be desolate, and let no man dwell therein, and his bishopric let another take. Now here, here it comes. Uh, wherefore, all, uh, wherefore of these men, which have accompanied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us. That's important. Note that verse. 
Look at verse 22. Beginning from the baptism of John, unto that same day that he was taken up from us, one must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. So in verse number 21, you know what you have? All the time that the Lord went in and out among us. There is a spending time with the Lord during his earthly ministry in that verse. Verse number 22, what are they witnessing? The resurrection. See it? Ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. Now it goes on. Now watch at the end of the chapter. And he was numbered with the 11 apostles. Verse 21, I guess to wrap this thought in this chapter up, verse 21 and verse 22 gives you the qualifications for an apostle. See, verse 23, and they appointed two, Joseph called for Sabbath, which is surnamed Justice and Matthias. And they prayed and said, Thou Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whether of these two thou hast chosen. That he may take part in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. And they gave forth their lots, and the lot fell upon the Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. Verse 21 and verse 22 gives us what? The requirements for an apostle. They spent time with the life of Jesus, and or they witnessed the resurrection of Jesus. We see that in verse 21, 22. We wrap it up in verse 26 to see the definition of an apostle. Now, Paul, well, let's go to Acts 5. Paul witnessed a post-resurrection appearance in Acts chapter 9. Okay, concerning Paul. But look at Acts chapter 5, if you would, and look at verse number 12. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. Again, we can read it wrong and say, by the hands of the church? No, by the hands of the apostles. That's very important. These apostles were given signs and wondrous miracles that they can do among the people. See that? Hands of the apostles. Go to 1 Corinthians 9. 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. The Bible says concerning Paul, am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are not ye my work in the Lord? If I be not an apostle unto others... Yet doubtless I am of you, for the seal of mine apostleship are ye in the Lord. So we had a post-resurrection appearance of the Lord. That was in Acts chapter number 9. But Paul, in Galatians 1.1, it says, Paul, an apostle, not of man, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ. And he had a special calling, Paul did, outside of the twelve. Galatians 2.8, it says, you don't have to turn there, I'll read it to you. For he that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship, of the circumcision, that be the Jews, the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. Peter to the Jews, Paul to the Gentiles. Now, that doesn't mean don't bring it to the to, to the Jews. It's just that that's what he was called. It was he had a special 
calling outside of the 12. That was Paul. But nonetheless, the point for tonight is, what do you need to have to claim to your name Apostle Tim, Apostle Kelly, Apostle Eric? You need to have witnessed the resurrection of Christ. <laughs> okay? Go to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. Is there doctrinal authority for someone to claim that they're an apostle in the New Testament church? Do we have, do we have biblical authority to claim that as a doctrine now? Let's look at 1 Corinthians 15, verse number 7. Uh, after that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. See that again? What's that requirement? They saw Jesus. And last of all, he was seen of me also as one born out of due time. Then in verse 9, he says, For I am the least of the apostles, then I'm not meant to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. How long did the signs, wonders, and miracles, how long did they stand for confirming doctrinal or biblical truth? Until all the apostles died off. And we have a complete canon of scripture. You get a guy comes in here and says he's a he's an apostle. and He's going to work signs, wonders and miracles. You can either say to him. By what authority and qualification do you have? And number two. You can ask him, are we in the church? Of, are we in the book of Acts? Because <laughs> if we're in the book of Acts, OK. What do we have now to confirm that what we are doing or saying or preaching or teaching or advocating is of God? This, this is what we show them. This is what we read to them. The word of God. The scriptures are our final doctrinal authority now, not Someone who claims to be an apostle with apostolic sign miracle gifts. Romans chapter number 15. Did you run into any apostolic guys yet when I'm doing public ministry? Anybody recently? You'll run into them, sure enough. You sure will. That'll be fun. You'll want to testify that Sunday. That is something. Romans chapter 15, verse 17. I had a guy that was an, an apostolic guy. and He said, well, yeah, you know, Ephesians says you're sealed with the Holy Ghost. And sealing is on the outside when you seal something. And so you don't have it on the inside yet. <laughs> Until you start 
you know, doing enough backflips and rolling on the ground and speaking in gibberish. Boy, oh boy, you can make the Bible preach just about anything you want. But it's not good doctrine. Romans 15. Look at verse 17. I have therefore, whereof I may glory through Jesus Christ in those things which pertain to God. Verse 18, for I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ hath not wrought by me to make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed. Here it is, through mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God so that from Jerusalem and round about and Arichium, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. What did they have? What did these apostles have? We see it again. Mighty signs and wonders. They have it. Do you have it? Because if these guys were real, we could have cured COVID real quick. All the Christians would have been healed. Second Corinthians, Second Corinthians chapter number 12. Second Corinthians chapter number 12, verse number 11. Second Corinthians 12:11, "I am become a fool in glory, you've compelled me, for I ought to have been commanded of you, for nothing am I behind the very chiefest apostles, though I be nothing. Truly, the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience. Here it is, in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. What was the true sign of an apostle? Signs and wonders and mighty deeds. There's no disputing that. That's clear in the Bible. For whom? Apostles. Define apostles. What was the qualification? Witnessed the resurrection of Christ, played a part in the life of Christ. And if they're not met, then they're not an apostle. Just ask them if they meet those qualifications found in Acts 1, 21, 22. So what did the apostles serve as for the church? Let's answer that. Go to Ephesians chapter 2. They served as something. We don't just disregard it because it's something that uh, some charismatic groups have made a mess of. So we don't disregard things because of that. We just want to try to rightly divide and understand where it belongs. Look at Ephesians 2, verse number 20. Uh, let's back up to verse 19. Now, therefore, you're no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. If you trusted Christ, we are fellow citizens. Praise the Lord. And uh, we're, we're part of the same household. Now I know I know every household has its its bickering and its fighting and its its arguing and I know that every household has it. But we're part of the household of God, so we should be able to come together we're not strangers and foreigners anymore. We're part of the household of God. You know what? We are going to have a difference here, a slight misunderstanding there, a little rub the wrong way this week, uh, a little bit of 
not so sure about that. The next, right? We, we, we have that in households. But we can't lose sight of the fact this is God's household. He wants us to get along. And he says in verse number 20, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief corner stone. And this verse, Ephesians 2.20, tells us where do we place the apostle? As it's, it's the foundation. They, the apostles and the prophets were part of the foundation of the church. You don't get rid of it. You just understand it biblically. It's there. We read it. We believe it. We want to understand it. We want to embrace it. But there is no apostolic secession now that we're, we're, we still need apostles. Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone, and it all frames or it comes off of him as that chief cornerstone. And those apostles and prophets were foundational to the church being built by Jesus Christ, right? Okay, so Ephesians 2 clears that up. And these sign and wonder miracles, these gifts ended with the 12 and with Paul. They all died out. Now, unless you can find one that's really living and, you know, it was a paid actor that really died and still living somewhere in a cave and, you know, <laughs> in the hills and hollers of Tennessee. But I doubt that's the case. We can pretty much say that was not fake news. That really did happen. They're all dead. And so now the foundation is there. And we just embrace that. We just don't take it farther than the Bible takes it. In other words, it's intended use. The apostles intended use. It was accomplished. It was accomplished. Why do you think they would do signs, wonders, and miracles? Because they didn't walk around with one of these under their arms. But we can find out if something's fake news. We don't have to wait for an apostle to come. And wrought a miracle. We can find out if something's true or false. All we have to do is open our Bible. And, and we can get it. None of us have to wait for someone with an apostolic sign gift to show up. To confirm that what we're doing is right. It served its purpose. A foundation was laid. Those people back in the book of Acts. They needed that. God wanted them to have that. It served its purpose. That is important because today, how many have heard of the new apostolic reformation? Okay, that's big. It's growing. NAR, new apostolic reformation. It's absolutely heretical and it is absolutely 100% unbiblical. It is all about their experience it's not about bible it is not about wanting to know the bible it's about an experience they want to be modern day apostles they work miracles they say they do and they emphasize always always they're emphasizing a new revelation a new vision from god that should be alarming for a few reasons 
One of them we'll find in the book of Jude. So go back to the back of your Bible, right before Revelation, you'll find the epistle of Jude. And it says in verse number three, in Jude three, beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you. Those are some strong words. You need this and I need to exhort you. Why? That you should earnestly contend for the faith. Watch this. Which was once delivered. <laughs> once delivered unto the saints. Once delivered unto the saints. You've got it. You don't need anything new. You've got it. <laughs> In the words of Brother Kelly. Chapter and verse, please. <laughs> I mean, honestly. That's really what it comes down to. And now let's get the context of that chapter and verse. Well, I don't understand that. Okay, fine. We'll pray about it. We'll study it. We'll go over it again. But we're not going to take your vision into account as if, as if it's something from God. Look, we did some deep doctrinal stuff this morning. At least we were in the Bible. <laughs> there wasn't any vision. That's way out there. They believe this new apostolic reformation. They believe that God intended apostles to hold leadership over the pastor of a church, over the leaders of a church, over the deacons and elders of the church. Why? Because they have special power from God. And you must, you must, you must submit to their leadership. Do you know why? Because your submission to them as, as apostles helps them to perform their miracles and their delivering of people who have, which they would call demons. Really, the Bible calls them devils, but they're, they're, they're all into demons and delivering of demons. I am not. This is serious. This is serious. So when apostle so-and-so comes in here, keep an eye on Because <laughs> as soon as he starts, it's going to be sit down. <laughs> you don't know what you're doing. You want to do backflips? Go on down the road. We'll, we'll hook you up with a deliverance preacher. Guy said to me with a straight face. He's part of this apostolic new reformation. He's all hooked up in it. I did the best I can to talk him back or at least, you know, reel him in a little bit. He said, if someone came into your church demon possessed, would you be able to deliver the demon out of him? I said, no, but the word of God can. Because my ability to create an experience in you doesn't trump the Bible. The word of God is the power. You answer that man the way Jesus answered. Thus saith the scriptures. What does the Bible say? Nobody cares about your opinion. And you shouldn't care about my opinion. We should take all of our opinions and filter them through the Bible. Bible, the Bible, the Bible is our final authority. 
not some apostle. They believe this is their doctrine. They believe that we lost dominion when Adam sinned. So, so far, so good, right? We would all agree with that. God gave Adam and Eve dominion. When they sinned, now Satan took over. God relinqu Adam relinquished control. And God now, he, he's still the prince and power of this, of, of this world. We still retain some dominion. I mean, you know, the Zachary's got themselves a cow. They got a cow-calf combo. And I don't know, one of the kids let him out and he just ran all over. This is easier for adults to blame kids. <laughs> but <laughs> that, that cow and calf's running all over. I know, it's really dad's fault. I know, it's just easier for the kids to blame them. The parents. And uh, wouldn't that have been a funny thing? If everybody's like, well, where's the Zachary's been? And you find out that, uh, you know, we, we don't see him for a couple of weeks. And so, you know, one of us goes over there and we find out that the cow-calf combo ended up locking them in the pasture and the cow and the calf took over the house. <laughs> now, wouldn't that, been, wouldn't that been funny? We still retain some dominion, don't we? Yeah, we put our dog in the crate, we put our cows in the pasture, and we still retain that dominion. But Satan now has temporary control because Adam fumbled the ball. But they also believe that when Christ died on the cross, not only did he pay our sin debt, but he gave us as Christians power to regain that dominion. So this new apostolic reformation movement is all about gaining back dominion. And they believe there's seven areas to gain back dominion. Government, arts, finances, education, religion, family, and media. So they make a big, big, big push on spiritual warfare. But they can't take dominion until guess what ha has to happen. They got to deliver the demons. Mm. Now the circus starts. This is why they'll come into, um, if you know the, dem the, the demographics of, of Cookville, this area, probably this couple blocks in this area, a little bit of a lower income area. Prime real estate. For a new apostolic reformation deliverance church. Mm. Was a, with Apostle Nimrod heading that thing up. Oh, yeah. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to prey upon the poverty. He's going to prey upon, well, the substance abuse that typically comes along with that social demographic. And they're going to start delivering people. It's not going to be from God, but you're going to get people all worked up and you're going to get them moving and dancing and shouting and doing all this stuff. And then they claim dominion over that area. And they do that. Their, their idea, their dominion idea is for all seven of those areas. They have a earthly.
kingdom dominion philosophy. Why do you think we're spending so much time on Thursday nights understanding the kingdoms? The kingdom of God versus the kingdom of heaven. And understanding that when Jesus Christ comes back, he will set up his earthly kingdom. It's dominion theology wrapped in charismatic new apostolic reformation theological lingo. It's false. And every single one of those guys and gals are going to have to give an account to God. Not me, not you, but to God. And it's going to be an awful, awful, awful day for them. The earthly kingdom dominion. You know what one of the seven areas was? Starts with a P. Politics. Guess where they want to gain dominion? Politics. So every time an election comes up, Let's get these demons out. Let's try to take dominion. This is why they want to take over all seven areas that we mentioned. Government, arts, finances, education, religion, family, media. They want to take over those areas because they believe by taking that dominion, now they are able to usher in the kingdom. It's an earthly kingdom where conservative evangelical Christians are ruling and everything's being ruled righteous and now Christ can come back. Sorry, that's not Bible. It's not Bible. John 18, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. Luke 17, it cometh not with observation. It says it's within. It's not political. It's not. Isaiah 2. Oh, boy. Yeah. Isaiah 2. Okay. Seven mountain mandate. Does that ring a bell to anybody? I slip, slip your hand up. If seven mountain mandate. Okay. We're going to look. This, this seven mountain mandate they get from Isaiah chapter number two. This is all about apostolic gifts. This is all about dominion theology. This is all about those seven spheres of influence and evangelicals conquering them. So watch what Isaiah chapter two. This is where the new apostolic reformation gets their doctrine. The seven mountain mandate is basically the same thing. It's the, it's cut from the same cloth. It's from Isaiah chapter number two, verse number two. The Bible says. And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all the nations shall flow into it. They're so bad at their Bible that they don't realize that that's a prophetic verse that has to do not with the United States of America. It has to do with Israel. Because we live in a Bible illiterate day. These apostolic guys are way out in left field. It has nothing to do with the church or America or taking dominion over these seven areas. 
But every sphere of life, there's a group of evangelicals that want to conquer that. You remember who President Trump's spiritual advisor was? Paula White. You know who Paula White is part of? The new apostolic reformation. The seven mountain mandate. And they want to usher in and take dominion and try to. All of it is false. It's all false. Well, what's wrong with having a Christian? There's nothing wrong with having a Christian in charge of something. But the theology behind that is we are going to deliver you. We are going to help usher in the kingdom by taking dominion. It's dominion theology. You get your end times wrong. You're going to get your now times wrong. (laughs) She's a nut. Paula White's a nut. She's a nutcase. Why? Because she got wrapped up in this apostolic stuff. You see her praying on that last election? Getting into her speaking in tongues thing? You see that? That's apostolic, new apostolic reformation. People wanting to be apostles when they got no business trying to be an apostle. Last verse, and we will we'll finish it up. Hebrews 3. Hebrews 3 and we're done. The apostles were the foundation of the church. They served their purpose. Now we have pastors, teachers, elders, deacons. But we don't have apostles with sign miracles. It served its purpose. We're thankful for it. It's the foundation. Let's finish on a high note. uh, Hebrews 3 verse 1 Wherefore holy brethren That be us who trust Christ Partakers of the heavenly calling That's me That's you if you've trusted Christ Consider the apostle And high priest Of our profession Christ Jesus That's the apostle We serve Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.